enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. We welcome you to join us in a study of God's word today. May God open your heart and mind as you listen to the eternal truths found in his word. I have memories of going to sit down on the couch and watch television as a child with my family. And my dad had beat us to the remote. And uh, he was watching the show he wanted to watch, which uh, for a long time was Western shows, Western movies. So a lot of times I got to see John Wayne getting on his horse, staring down the criminals, fighting them off, doing his... My dad affectionately called him the Duke. When I uh, uh, would visit uh, my grandfather, my uncle had books all along the wall. And in the room where I stayed, one bookshelf was filled with Western novels from Louis L'Amour. And so like just like the, the whole theme and, and feel of the Wild West is, is something that's just kind of... Uh, I've experienced quite a bit, but I suspect that's the case for all of us. I mean, Western movies are still coming out on a regular basis. We all understand this picture of the Wild West is, is kind of this lawless space. Even if the law was present, you know, the person with the badge, the idea in those Western movies is that the criminals are just a day's ride from town. Uh, On horseback, they could come up over the mountains or the hills at any time. No bank, no train, no lawman was safe. It is these kinds of stories that have kind of immortalized for us, even like certain criminals uh, from that time. Billy the Kid, Butch Cassidy, Jesse James... And uh, these names have just kind of stayed with us. They kind of immortalized in the stories that have been told again and again. One thing true about those times is those criminals could often terrorize entire uh, several, several towns, an entire county or state or region before the next town even knew to be wary of them, even before they even knew that they were coming because news didn't spread very fast, not like we have it now. They had to wait until someone rode into town and told them, hey, so-and-so just robbed us over here. Uh, That news, someone had to beat them to the next town. And for the sheriff to get a letter of warning, well, that came on horseback as well with the mail. And so the criminals could easily outride the warning, and significant damage could be done before those warning posters ever went up. With that kind of delay, notifying the appropriate authorities, getting a posse together, let alone hunting the criminals, uh, was, was not something you could just take your time on. If you wanted to get your revenge, if you wanted to get them, you had to go quickly. Every minute wasted would be equal to days searching for them. And there arose, of course, out of those movies and books, a, a popularization of the, fa- of the phrase, taking the law into their own hands. The wronged family member, the disgraced deputy, the injured hero left for dead, whoever the main character was, would do everything in their power to immediately hunt down the perpetrators. You've seen those movies, right? Read those books, perhaps? We know those scenes. 
They're kind of familiar to us. We don't have to think hard to imagine a world where the law is hard to come by, where there's danger just around the hills, where someone riding off into the sunset may have gotten away with murder. And so that, that kind of history is kind of just ingrained in us now, that kind of that, that time period of early settling of the frontier, of, of that pre-civilization time period of the West. And so as I go into Deuteronomy chapter 19, as we've been kind of, in the last few weeks, looking at the history of kind of the background of some of the uh, gospel passages that mention and quote the Old Testament, as, we, as, as I get ready to read Deuteronomy chapter 19, it's, I think of the Old Testament Wild West. I, I think of this history of, of scattered groups, like, like little frontier towns of little tribal villages throughout the land that have kind of claimed their different territories that, that go with their descendant tribes. But yet, it would be very easy for someone to hide in the hills of Judea. And so, with that in mind, uh, I want to read for you today Deuteronomy chapter 19. When the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you've dispossessed them and settled in their towns and in their houses, you shall set apart three cities in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall calculate the distances and divide into three regions the land that the Lord your God gives you as a possession, so that any homicide can flee to one of them. Now, this is the case of a homicide who might flee there and live. That is, someone who has killed another person unintentionally, when the two had not been at enmity before. Uh, Suppose someone goes into the forest with another to cut wood, and when one of them swings the axe to cut down a tree, the head slips off from the handle and strikes the other person who then dies. The killer may flee to one of these cities and live. But if the distance is too great, the avenger of blood in hot anger might pursue and overtake and put the killer to death, although a death sentence was not deserved, since the two had not been at enmity before. Therefore I command you, you shall set apart three cities. If the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he swore to your ancestors, and he will give you all the land that he promised your ancestors to give you, provided you diligently Observe this entire commandment that I command you today by loving the Lord your God and walking always in His ways. Well, then you shall add three more cities to these three, so that the blood of an innocent person may not be shed in the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, thereby bringing blood guilt upon you. But if someone at enmity with another lies in wait and attacks and takes the life of that person and flees into one of these cities, well, then the elders of the killer city shall send to have the culprit taken from there, handed over to the avenger of blood to be put to death. Show no pity, you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, so that it may go well with you. You must not move your neighbor's boundary markers set up former generations on the part that will be allotted to you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. A single witness shall not suffice to convict a person of any crime or wrongdoing in connection with any offense that may be committed. Only on the evidence of two or three witnesses shall a charge be sustained. If a malicious witness comes forward to accuse someone of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days, and the judges shall make a thorough inquiry. And if the witness is a false witness, having testified falsely against another, 
Then you shall do to the false witness just as the false witness has meant to do to the other. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. The rest shall hear and be afraid, and a crime such as this shall never again be committed among you. Show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. At first read, first glance, Deuteronomy 19 seems kind of odd. The idea of cities set up for people who've killed someone else to run to and hide seems, at first glance, somewhat ridiculous. But of course, this passage is for people who are guilty of manslaughter, people who who have accidentally killed someone else. The example they use is one that seems odd to us, an axe uh, blade falling off the axe handle, but someone who has accidentally done something. In our day, it might be something like, uh, I don't know, repairing a, a, a steep roof and losing your balance, and the only thing that breaks your fall is the coworker at the bottom of the roof. Or a uh, person who's driving and sees a deer and swerves to miss the deer and doesn't realize that there was oncoming traffic. Or the child on the baseball field taking practice swings. Serious injury can occur. What happens then? And and for them in their time, the recourse in those moments, someone in my family, someone in my tribe, someone in my little town has died. Like they are they are hurt. They they are they are mourning. And and they want to do whatever they can to make sure justice takes place. And and, and if we imagine that scene kind of like I laid it out, and now it's not a hundred percent, but but I imagine it's spaced out just like that. Like It's going to take a while to get to a judge. It's going to take a while to get to the law. The recourse in those moments as one family or one tribe blames another is to seek revenge. This is why I think of it sometimes as just the Wild West, perhaps, of Israel. Maybe, uh, maybe God knows that, that this is going to be kind of the, the, the knee-jerk reaction. Yet God, as He often shows throughout Scripture, seems to have a soft spot for those who are in trouble and for the screw-ups and the mess-ups, people who are dangerously clumsy and those who are hopelessly lost. Our God has always said the mistakes that you beat yourself up about are not yours alone to carry. And there is, of course, nothing more serious than a mistake that leads to death. In fact, when there is a death, uh, blame is the first thing that often happens. We do that. When we realize that there has been a tragedy, the first thing we do is we start to point fingers. And we point fingers not just at whoever committed the tragedy. We, we point fingers at any number of people. Blame goes fast. Now that isn't to say that there isn't other things that people can do, but yet we are quick to blame. Who's to blame? Someone close, as a, someone close to us passes away. And what do we do to ourselves? Right? We start blaming. Man, did I miss something? Did I miss a sign? Should I have known? Oh, could I have warned them? If I had seen that and known that, could I have warned them? And maybe they get checked out. We, we play a blame game sometimes with ourselves, blaming people. This is what we do. And God knows this about this. I think, I think He knows that this is a part of humanity. It's, it's part of our DNA that, that when something goes wrong, we immediately look for someone who has to pay. 
And God seems to suggest in Deuteronomy 19 that perhaps we should try practices that keep us from being so quick to blame. In particular, that that makes sure we're not so quick to try and get revenge. And so he tells them to set up kind of sanctuary cities. He says, you're going to have three. And they're going to be spaced out so any one person doesn't have to travel forever, that they actually have a chance to get there. And so he's serious about this. In fact, he's so serious about this that he says, here you are settling the frontier of Judea. And as your, your, your nation grows, and as you become more civilized, and as your cities grow, you're going to need, and your, and your land grows, you're going to need more sanctuary cities. These kinds of things are going to hap- happen, but we can't have the law being taken into everyone's hands. I need you to have a place where they can go so we can make sure they get to the courts. God says, when Israel grows, gets too big, you're going to need to take special measures to make sure justice takes place. God cares about justice and making sure that we do not act out our anger too quickly, that we are not so quick to point blame, point fingers, and spread hate. And we are good at that. I mean, someone can, I think, I think just this week, there's someone in court who has spread lies and conspiracy theories and, uh, about an event that he wasn't even at, wasn't even an eyewitness to, but yet how quickly we are to blame and spread lies. And God says, we are going to put, put up parameters to make sure that the truth is heard and that there's opportunity for people. From this, we learn something very important about our God. He is and always has been a God of mercy. He is and always has been a God of forgiveness. Our Lord truly knows indeed what's in our hearts and our minds. He knows whether we've acted purposefully, maliciously, or even neglectfully, or whether it's just one of those instances of wrong place, wrong time, and I have no clue what happens next. But about those, but as we hear that, we can look at this and say, but this is a tragedy. This is terrible. And it can be hard to discern whether something was an accident or whether someone could have taken measures to prevent it. And, and this seems like someone's getting off way too easy. What about those who do act with malice or those who do have hurtful intentions? What do we do then? And of course, uh, God lays out for them what that will look like. It is to those people that he writes an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's in this sense that the law, do unto others what they've done to you, starts to take place. And and I imagine over time that this law kind of got codified into all of their laws. This mindset got got kind of just, just set into all of their laws. It's kind of like the culture we have, I think, of suing people in court. Now... That we, there is right, indeed, when someone has seriously wronged another person, to be able to take them to court and be able to have that kind of civil uh, exchange and find out if that lawsuit uh, is, has merit or not. I, I don't want this to be a kind of just, just a general critique of taking people to court or something. But I do want to say, I think that mindset that we've had for a long time of, I can point blame, and if you are to blame in any way, shape, or form, I can get some kind of recompense from this. Has only cemented the practice of finding blame. Whenever something goes wrong, who's to blame? 
Who's going to pay for this? And the point in all this, again, is not just to say, oh, well, we, we shouldn't have that in our system of laws. But the point is to say, look at the ways in which a, a system of justice in our culture creates a mindset in our society. A mindset that reinforces, wait a minute, there's blame to be had and someone's got to pay. I think in Deuteronomy 19, as the law came out for those who are evil, for those who are malicious, for those who did it on purpose and don't deserve sanctuary, eye for eye, life for life, tooth for tooth, I think over time that got codified into all of their laws as well. And so after a while, people started saying, that person wronged me and I deserve what they did to me. That, uh, that person took from me, I deserve to take from them. That person did something, I deserve to do something to them as well. It became just a system of the laws where it does, it's, it's no longer even someone who's malicious or committed murder. It's someone who's done any wrong, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And they missed the point of Deuteronomy 19. The point of Deuteronomy chapter 19 is we are supposed to be looking for ways of creating and instituting grace in our lives and in our culture. We are supposed to look for ways in which when we see something go wrong, that our first thought is not revenge. Our first thought is, what happened? And there is someone else here who is also absolutely terribly uh, out of place. What do we do here? This indeed reflects then the grace of God, who is always looking to deliver people, always looking to save people, and to save people from their sins and from their mishaps. When Jesus, and we heard this story in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus speaks on the Sermon on the Mount and says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, He knows they know this law. It's not just something that was said once a long time ago in an obscure chapter in Deuteronomy. It's something that has become a part of their culture, something that's become a part of their DNA. It's long been codified into their way of thinking. So Jesus reminds them, hey, you've heard this. This is how we're living our life now. This is how things happen in the courts. But Jesus reminds them, think gracefully. Think gracefully. When He says, turn the other cheek, I can't imagine He's saying that, you know, just let them get away with it. But I think when He says, turn the other cheek, and we go, wait, what? It forces us to say and ask questions like, well, why'd they swing in the first place? Right? We don't get to provoke and provoke and provoke because we know where the line is. And then once they cross that line, aha, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, I get to get you. Now, that's like elementary bullying stuff, right? <laughs> like I provoke, provoke until they cross the line. When someone steals our cloak, it says, give them your tunic as well. It's not a passage. It's meant to just say, hey, let people take advantage of you and take everything that you have. But it is a way of saying, remember the grace and mercy of God and look for ways in which we can say, how could this have been prevented? Not just perhaps in our exchange, but in the whole exchange of why they are in a place where they have to feel they have to do this in the first place. How can we, like Deuteronomy 19 says, have the correct systems in place to offer grace for people who are in need, to offer sanctuary and a safe place for those who need it? I think we are all in need of safe places. We are all in need of sanctuaries, 
places where we can go and there isn't judgment. There isn't someone looking at us. There isn't someone saying, oh, what's wrong with you? Or you messed up once. Or I remember when you... Places where we can say, we know who the judge is. It's not me. And we know there's a God whose ultimate goal is indeed to bring renewal, forgiveness, and grace in our life. And I think that we can be that for our community. And if you're watching on video today, I want you to know that this is one of those sermons where I don't preach this because I think, oh, Cape Elizabeth really needs this one. (laughs) I think Cape Elizabeth does a really great job with this. And that we can be this, hopefully, for you as well. But this is a part of the call of Deuteronomy chapter 19. It is to make sure that there's opportunities for people to be heard and opportunities for forgiveness to be shared where it's able to to be. And I want to suggest today that we can have that here as well. That our God looks upon us and says, wherever guilt has been pointed. And I think sometimes we look back and we say, oh man, guilt is here. Our God has always offered with open arms a safe place, a place of refuge, a place of reconciliation, a place where He says judgment can be reserved. Judgment indeed can be you are forgiven. And there is a place for that. Deuteronomy chapter 19, as much as it seems like like a passage that is instituting this this terrible eye for eye, tooth for tooth, it was initially just for the most malicious of them who acted in the most vicious ways to destroy another person. And Jesus reminds us in the Gospel, that was never supposed to be codified into I get whatever you did to me kind of way. We are always supposed to remember opportunities for grace. Opportunities where we don't just immediately round up our team of people to attack whoever we think is wrong. But we seek to listen and find out and get the right witnesses to find out what happened. And I suspect today that um, uh, we can be that place, but also we can go to our God who says, you know what? You may have been your own false witness. You may have been the one who has just been pointing so much uh, for blame for whatever has happened in the past that perhaps God wants to say there is a future and a place for you as well. And you can have that in this place too. That this is a sanctuary where you can receive God's forgiveness. And so uh, we're going to close today in prayer and I want to offer a safe place. And I don't do this very often, but uh, here, uh, but in the Church of the Nazarene, Uh, In my history and in our history, even still today, this place is an altar rail. This place is a a place to kneel. And I just want to offer today, as I get ready for prayer, that uh, that is a safe place. A place where we can go and say, God, I, I uh, uh, I know that I need to hear today that you have extended grace and mercy and forgiveness. And I just want to uh, invite you as we go to prayer today. If you need to pray and go before the Lord, know that this place is a place where we can go and meet Him and find that He is indeed the one who sees us as we are.
knows our heart, knows our minds, and says we do not have to live in the past guilt. I think when we, when we recognize something terrible has happened in the past, what we do is we do one of two things. We either deny it and hide it, nope, 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 and nothing changes. We just continue on with our life. Or we embrace it, well, that's just who I am now. We continue on, we just you know, skirt the line between what's, what's, what's right and what's wrong, but still living with the thing that God says, I've got a better future for you. Where you no longer have to look at your own mistakes and say, that just defines who I am. God's grace and God's future and God's plan define it for you. Let's go to prayer today. And if you would like to go to a safe place to speak to the Lord, feel free to do so. Heavenly Father, I come to you today asking, Lord, that uh, you would help. Help us to see that uh, your Son, Jesus Christ, has indeed showed us that you are radical with the grace that you offer. That indeed you offer forgiveness, you offer future. You offer newness to each and every one of us. And that we get a glimpse of that even in Deuteronomy 19, a passage that seems to set up the most kind of vicious, I get what I want kind of mindset. But Lord, all of that is framed within your character of mercy, of grace of your desire to say, I see something so much more than just the mistakes. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray today that we would see in this morning your love, that we would see your forgiveness, and we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we can always turn to you in all things. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. Our website also includes instructions for subscribing to our podcast so you can have a message delivered to you weekly. May God bless you abundantly as you serve Him today.